Hello, my tribe. I'm excited to have another podcast for you so soon. So it turns out that um, right after I, uh, Stacy and I did our conversation, part one of our growing older conversation, um, my other sponsee, Megan, finished her fifth step and we were t- started to talk about it and I had the um, foresight to say, hey, let's let's record this conversation. And so we did. And, uh, and so that's, um, what I'm, what's coming up now. I do want to take a moment to just, um, sort of talk a little bit around the fact that her four step took 18 months. So we, we talk about this during it around, you know, that there were some reasons for that. She procrastinated in the beginning. Um, I was sick and there were times she was traveling. So were there times that we couldn't meet? And also like, you know, we meet once a week for an hour. And so, so that's part of it. The other thing though, that I want to really make sure is clear is that when the sponsees that work with me, they've already gone through the steps. So the, the work that we do tends to be OA with ACOA Al-Anon. So they're going much deeper into their work. And as a result, it's bringing up a lot more, uh, it's bringing up a lot more causes and conditions work. So it's not something that you can just sit and power through or sit and do like, like a homework assignment. So I just want to make that clear because I say that, you know, the four steps tend to take about a year and also that their four steps includes a shame inventory, which is a whole nother process. So I just wanted to make sure that piece was clear because I know that there's a lot of information out there around like, you know, hurrying up and getting through your four step, you know, so that you can move on. And yeah, that's true. Um, And that was certainly my experience in the very beginning. And then um, when I went around again and did a real deep dive, it was um, a process that took a lot longer because it involved uh, a lot of causes and conditions, which then I had to emotionally process. And that is the experience that my sponsees go through now, um, having going through the steps again with me. Okay, so enjoy this wonderful conversation that Megan and I have where we're just so elated that she finished her fifth step. Yay! Go, Megan. I love you. Hey, it's me again. And surprise, surprise, I'm going to do another um, podcast today. And it is Nicole and Megan have a conversation. Megan. Say hi, Megan. Hi there. Introduce yourself. Oh, so hi, I'm Megan. I am a compulsive overeater, ACA, and Al-Anon. Yeah. And probably an alcoholic. Who knows? All the things. (laughs) All All the the things. things. Yeah. So today we are celebrating because Megan finished her fifth step. It took forever. It took forever. So yeah. I'm going to put this closer to you because okay. one of the things yeah. I noticed is, audio is that audio-wise is yeah. that um, okay. my voice carried and Stacy's okay. voice didn't. So. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, you can just put, put it there. there. Okay. Um, so your experience around doing the fifth step. Yeah. I would say I have definitely had a spiritual experience but it did not like I did not look the way like I do feel more free. Um, yeah, it's really interesting because I think you really helped me understand. Like I think I had a lot of things mixed up. Like I 
my tendency and part of my story as an ACA is to overfunction and probably overtake responsibility for other people's side of the street. Um, and so there were a lot of areas where, um, f- for example, like when I was in my disease in my early to mid 20s and I was also in an abusive relationship, I had a job that I just completely ate my way through and, you know, didn't try very hard and, you know, <laughs> kind of like procrastinated and online shopped and like hated it, resented the whole thing. I did not do a good job at that job. But it also turns out that that job was like totally recreating all of my family of origin stuff. Like I had a boss who was like hyper controlling and, and really difficult. And, um, and one of the things that you said was like, well, I was part of that system, right? And I was in the dysfunctional system and I was powerless over that dysfunction. And, you know, I don't know yet whether or not I will have to make an amends um, for my, okay, so no, Nicole says no uh, <laughs> for that, but just understanding how much I am powerless over and how, like, what is not my side of the street. And then Nicole also helped me surface, like, some things that I was not aware of that, like, that thing with my sister that is actually my side of the street where I was, like, being a self-involved narcissist and maybe I need to make an amends for that. And it's just, like, things I, I could not before right. see clearly, I guess. Yeah. So if we go back to, yeah. um, you know, so if we go back to the beginning where yeah. it's like, oh, it's time for your fourth step. Yes. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like you had some ideas. What did right. you think it was going? Well, yeah. also people yeah. need to know that like yeah. I tend to sponsor people right. after they've already gone through the steps right. one time. Yes. So let me, I'll, I can qualify it a little bit. So I have been in the rooms now for about seven years. So this is actually my third time doing a fourth, fifth step. And the way that my previous, I've always sort of done it in the, the big book grid yeah. way, but the, the way that my previous sponsors had me do it and the, versus the way that you had me do it, um, I guess the shame inventory was new to me. And that even that like um, surfaced a lot of my childhood neglect and abuse it, um, in its magic that I yeah. had not been aware of before. Yeah. Um, and then the thing that you do where you say, like, dump out all of your Facebook contacts, all of your Gmail, like every yeah. contact that you have in all the systems and put them on the list. And if you genuinely don't have a judgment or resentment or any anger against them at all, then you can take people off. Right. And what that surfaced for me is how very judgmental I am and how many judgments I have. Um, and I think because... and. I've, I've given sponsees the, the sort of other way to do it, which is like, well, just put people that you resent on a list. And it, it's like, there's too much like cognitive work or something that has to go into that yeah. to be able to surface that yeah. information. And this way it was actually much easier because I had, it created a monster four step, but the, right. but the it point did. is, is that you know, by doing it that way, because that's what right. I had to do, Right. was I had to go through all these names and right. think about like, okay, think about this person. And I think I said this at the time, which is it doesn't matter how big the resentment is. Yeah. It's like, even if it's like, because well, we're doing open heart surgery. Yeah. So the big pieces of shrapnel we know about, right. but we want the little 
splinters. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's basically like, okay, you do this huge list, you think about this person, you know, even if you feel just a twinge of shame or anger, it doesn't matter because the idea is to put it in the mix because then you'll be free of it. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I think in doing that, what was revealed is is the patterns and things that seemed sort of like a big one for me is um, the the resentment that appeared on my fourth step more than any other in you know dumping out all my Facebook contacts was we were supposed to be friends. I was supposed to be friends with this person, and in that, what Nicole helped me see was I'm seeking connection from unavailable people and I'm recreating my family of origin. And then also there's some self-pity and entitlement in there. Those well. came up with certain certain um, people. Certain people yeah. it was like right. you know, that right. sort of got but again and right. and is that, you know, each line on the four step right. in the table that she and I are talking about, which I'll add a link to is a piece of um, datum and and the more that you get it's literally like if you think about a connect the dots picture right you know if there are only 20 dots in there there's only so much you can do with 20 dots to create a picture but if you have a thousand dots that you can there's quite a picture you know i mean just in terms of area where you can create and you can see more and you know an awareness is the first step, mm-hmm. you know, in terms mm-hmm. of awareness, acceptance, action. If you're if you're in denial about something, you can't change it. Right. So it's only through awareness that it's like, oh, I can start to change this. Right. But we're so good at denial and repression that it's the fourth step is like, okay, well, what are you trying not to show yourself? Or what are you hiding from yourself? Or what are you yeah. disassociated from? Or what are right. you in denial about? Right. And then by doing that process, then... Yeah, yeah, and I think if you had me do it the reverse, the way that I had done it before, of like, put a person on the list if you have resentment towards it, then, like, I wouldn't have been able to recall that this, like, these people, you know, these, whatever, 20 people from college, I actually had a resentment towards (laughs) because they weren't my friends. But given that uh, they're on the list already, I have some problem with them, now what is it, yeah. right? What is my problem? You know, I don't have no feelings towards them at all whatsoever. And you're not neutral. That, yeah, not neutral. Uh, and so then the question, then that's when yeah. the truth is revealed, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And yeah. are you comfortable with talking about the arbiter of truth? Oh, sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So because we <laughs> yeah. did this. Yeah. And these names came up over and right. over and over again. Right. Like, you were very cognizant of and had a lot of self-awareness around how you had internalized your mother's behavior. Yes. But what right. came out of doing this kind of four-step right. was all this was the whole, the judgment, which she and I just started calling, like, you're the arbiter of truth. You're not, right. Was that was your dad? Yes. That your dad yeah. had judgment against everybody. Yes. Yeah, especially, like, the strong, the way that I can see it the most is around um, money and entrepreneurship. Like, I have so many opinions about how much money people should be making or shouldn't be making, or men in leadership positions, or, you know, all of that stuff. And it's like, oh, that's my my dad, and my dad's, you know, narcissistic, alcoholic judgment towards... 
the world. Yeah. And also that your dad, this is what you and I have in common, is that, you know, your dad, both your dad and I were of the sort of arrogant variety, Mm -hmm. and that they were too good for other people. Right. Well, if you're going to hold that view, then every person you meet, you have to, in your mind, explain why you're better than them. Yes. So you have to pass judgment on them, be critical, and whatever. And so we're growing up with that. Right. Yeah, and this is one thing that I think was that I was thinking about was revealed is like so on the on the there's the I am the arbiter of truth. This is the way the world should be, right? I'm better, which means I'm better than everybody. Right. And then on the other side of that, there's self pity and entitlement, which is really just like the flip side, side. Yeah. of the this is the way the world should be. And I think and it's not and poor me and right, yeah. yeah. And now I'm being victimized by the world. Y- yes, yeah, and I'm I'm just sort of like um, uh, processing through this as we're as we're talking, and and what I'm trying to to understand, um, and what I've been thinking a lot doing some some outside work in therapy is, and you know they say this in the room all the time, right? Like I'm no better, or no worse than any other compulsive overeater, but in the process of doing the steps, what I can see is there's a middle path there, mm-hmm. right? Like I can see my strengths. I can see that I'm actually like a very strong person mm-hmm. without having to like say, and I'm better than that right. other person or I'm worse than that other person. And so being in the middle and being able to like claim yeah. all parts of myself without having to put other people down or yeah. judge other people. Yeah. Which is what yeah. self-esteem is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, also, like, you know, integrity and everything. And that's right. also a result of coming more into our bodies. Mm-hmm. So all of these reasons are not wanting to be in our bodies because we're rejecting ourselves, and that's the shame piece, mm-hmm. you know? And so the more that it's like we work on the shame piece, we do the shame inventory, which is something that isn't standard, but I have incorporated in yeah. because it was such a, a game changer for me, is to incorporate the shame study, which I think should you know get passed on. Like you do an inventory on yeah. fear, you do it on resentments, you do it on harm, you do it on sexual conduct, and then you right. do it on shame. Because those are all things that you want healing from. Right. But the point being is, is that as you heal from the shame, you can be, and as you recover and are abstinent, you can be more present in your body. Mm-hmm. And so there's more self-acceptance. And then the more that you're present in your body, you can just let yourself be a human being. Mm-hmm. And then once you're there, you're like, oh, no one gets out alive. Meaning mm-hmm. like no one escapes adverse. Right. If you've grown up with adverse childhood experiences, right. you know they're going to affect you. And then you're going to gravitate towards people who have had similar experiences. Right. Um, I was talking to a, a, a woman b- before in program, and I said, what if you, if you and I right now moved to Mexico, and she and I don't speak any Spanish, I said, if we moved to Mexico and had to live there that day and had to go out and find work, we mm. were going to find people who spoke English, mm-hmm. because that's the language that we know. It's the exact saying when you leave home and if you were raised in an alcoholic dysfunctional family, that's the language that you know. So you are going to find 
other systems, right. whether they're institutional systems or right. whatever, or job things, where it's like, oh, they speak my language. Yeah. And typically yeah. what we say is, it's like, oh, yeah, we had great chemistry in the beginning. Right. You know, we're like, oh, yeah, uh, we're such a perfect fit. Yeah. We're such a perfect match. Yeah. And then typically later on we start saying the same things. Oh, my boss is such a, like, right. oh, it's so frustrating. And it is true, like, you are a perfect match. Yeah, you are that, a perfect right? match. Yeah. Perfect match, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You totally speak the same language. Right. So now I want to sort of talk about, since we're talking, that you have bemoaned mm-hmm. how long <laughs> this process has taken. Yes. Yeah. So this has taken me, I think about eight, just the step four piece, about 18 months. I really? think. I think. Have Why? Been, Do you think it's longer? Or? How long have we been working together? Like two and a half years. Oh, then yeah. 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 Well, there's, but part of that, because not everyone is 18 months, about right. a year is okay. typical for, for yeah. people. At least a year. Right. But the 18 months thing is also, it's like, you know, doing trips and we've, we've had to, you know. Yeah. And I will say there was like, there was some points in the beginning when it wasn't super clicking for me. Yeah. And so I was procrastinating on it. Yeah. So if yeah. I, it probably would have saved me six yeah. months if I wasn't. Or, you know, <laughs> I think like 12 to 14 months is about average. Okay. Especially yeah. because now here's the piece that I want to talk about, which is you're bringing up causes and conditions. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you're abstinent. Yeah. So you don't get mm-hmm. to just blast through your four-step. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, no. Sometimes It's like, yeah. in the course of this 18 months, I don't know if you were already in therapy, but you had to start no, therapy, I you st- had to start EMDR. Yeah. And, and you were right. Everything <laughs> Nicole says, she's always right. You but know? I only yeah. say things that I'm certain about. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I, I didn't... Yeah, I think I... It was after I started, and you did tell me this at the beginning of actually us working together that I needed to be in therapy, and I was like, you know, and I think that's my my neglect, which was revealed in my shame inventory and this this uh, fourth step was, you know, I don't want to spend the money on the things that actually will take care of myself, right? right. And so I I was procrastinating on it, and then I finally got to a point where. I could see that I was no longer going to be absent if I did not get more support right. around the processing. And um, also because yeah. with the EMDR thing is that, you know, yeah. because of the childhood that we have, we right. have PTSD. Yes. And yes. talk therapy is not enough. Right. We have yes. to deal with the neurobiology and right. that's where the EMDR or the brain's body. Yes. And I think also I have some circumstances in my life where it was revealed to me that like oh yeah I really do you were saying you have PTSD you have PTSD you have PTSD and then I finally got like oh yeah I have PTSD if I'm having panic attacks in the middle of the night yeah I have PTSD I need to get some support around exactly yeah yeah and that talk therapy will help you with the story of PTSD how did you end up there right but in terms of actually when you are in a post-traumatic stress triggered experience right that's a brain activity thing, and you have to address that directly. Yes. You know, it's like yeah. you can be triggered and understand why you're triggered, right. but how you get untriggered actually yeah. is part of the whole, or how you heal the trigger Yes, is, is neurobiology. Yeah, and I can talk a little bit about that piece of it. I mean, one thing that I am realizing with my EMDR work 
with, you know, the abuse and neglect that we, Nicole and I sort of intellectually revealed in the fourth step, I now get to feel through Mm -hmm. with the EMDR. And the way that traumatic memory is stored is different, right? It's different in the brain. Which is another reason why you can't blast through a fourth step. Right. Yes. I would... I would say it took 18 months I was doing it, but yeah. 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 Um, But it took exactly the length that it needed to take. You know what I mean? Again, that's where we have the work addiction and the task-oriented checkbox, and we want to get done. This is why I was disappointed that you didn't pass the autism test that I passed. (laughs) You know, you were my last hope. You know what I mean? That maybe we'll be autistic together. But again, just that we're just like, let's get it done. Right. You know, okay, let's get it done. I'm yeah, I'm very good at achieving things that look good on the outside. Yeah. I'm very good at like, okay, let's connect A to B and do the things that accomplish all the stuff. Right. Uh, because I'm from a narcissistic shame based household. Well and also what's interesting is is that in different ways we're both you know in a tech community yeah you know what I mean yeah. whereas you are actually in the tech industry yeah. and I project manage tech yeah you know what I mean because again mm-hmm. it's just like yeah you know just get it done just right. do it. and it's and for both of us learning to be emotionally present mm-hmm. and having yeah. to deal with things on an emotional timeline yes which you don't right. get to dictate Yes. And you don't I, get to decide when you are done grieving. Yeah. And I think one thing that helped in one of your shares that you actually recorded on this very podcast, um, you said something, I think it was in your Al-Anon story, about how you're powerless over the need to escape. Yeah. And I really... To escape the present moment. To escape the present moment. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm always trying... Like, that's what the compulsive overeating is about. That's what the blasting, compulsive busyness, the the achieving, the doing, all of that stuff. That's that's like wanting to escape the present moment. But again, this is where the healing happens in tandem. Because the more that you heal these things, the things that are driving the need to escape, it's all fear. Right. You know, and even the shame, it's like, well, we don't want to be shamed anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's the fear. It's like, Mm -hmm. I cannot take, I am maxed out on shame. You know, if any more shame, I'd off myself. Right. You know, like I'm already disassociating from myself. That's Mm -hmm. how much I don't want to be me, Mm -hmm. you know. And so, again, to do this healing work that I actually want to be me Mm -hmm. is turning around and coming into the body. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, I now have to look at all the reasons why I want out of this body, Mm -hmm. which is not only all of my thinking Mm -hmm. based on history. So it's a fourth step. But the behaviors that I did that I that I regret, mm-hmm. the fears that I have, and that's and that's the whole four step is like, okay, mm-hmm. so why are you you know, it's like literally another analogy is is, you know, you know, going down into the basement. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, you know, yeah. inheriting yeah. a house. I think we talked about this, like part of growing up in an alcoholic home or slash dysfunctional home is is that it's like inheriting, you know, a fucking Winchester mystery house. Right. But without the tourism, you know what I mean. <laughs> Where it's like, and the basement is like flooded and full of crap. The right? basement is you can't even go down into yeah. the basement. But right. here's the thing: it's right. like we grow up in a house and we don't know anything different. Right. So we think that the way to flush the toilet is to turn on the outside porch light. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's all the 
you know, and we've just learned to live with that. We've just learned that it's like things just break down and all of the piping and everything is down in the basement. Mm. It's either in the attic or it's in the basement and those things are stuffed to the nines and it's like, it's so overwhelming and that's what a four step is. It's sort of like the basement being your emotional body and then the the attic being like your crazy thinking, you know, it's Mm. like, okay, it's time to, you know, go yeah. down. Now, here's the whole right. 18 months part. Right. Is imagine if you are living in that kind of house where it's like right. you've got a staircase that goes nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because someone either, you know, it's like, oh, why is this staircase going nowhere? Well, my great-grandfather had the idea of building, you know, another room up here. Right. And so he thought, like, he better build the stairs to the room. And then he got mm-hmm. bored and decided not to do it anymore. So then they just plastered it up. Mm-hmm. But, oh, we think it's really funny. Ha, 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 ha. You know what I mean? Isn't that hilarious? Isn't that hilarious? Yeah, yeah he got yeah. drunk and fell down the stairs. You know what I mean? So now it's not done. Yeah, yeah so now it's not done. And we don't do that. Or it's like, yeah, like... You know, there's a toilet in my bedroom with no wall mm. around it. And I've just learned not to have people come in. You know, mm. we just get used to this right. shit. We adapt. Yeah, We adapt. Yeah. And so, you know, here's the thing with the 18 months. It's like, okay, you've got boxes in the attic and you've got boxes in the basement. Right. Now, just wait. But you've got to live. You've got to go to right. work. You've got to eat. You right. can't bring. You can't bring up boxes because every box right. you bring up, you have to right. unpack. Now right. you've got all this shit all over your right. house. Yeah. So you have to be able to do it. Right. And then for people like you and I, you know, it's like who knows? I don't know if mine took eighteen months, but given our story, it probably could have. Right. You know, but it's like, yeah, I've got a lot of boxes. There's a lot of boxes. There's a lot yeah. of boxes. Yeah, and what to use that metaphor, what I found by well, I mean, the process of recovery has just like led me into the basement. Yeah. Right. Or that the basement was starting to flood <laughs> in like into the main part of the house. You ran out of places to, do to put something boxes. About it. Yeah. 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 And then to go back to the fear piece, I guess the thing I want to say um, now that I'm processing through the fear with EMDR and my therapist actually said something in my last session of like, you were basically in fight flight freeze for mm-hmm. your entire childhood mm-hmm. and what I have come to understand that the PTSD books did not tell me was that I have complex PTSD that it didn't get you know it's not one event it wasn't a car accident or something yeah. like that and it's not going to be removed overnight mm-hmm. um but the thing or processor overnight yeah. aversion therapy is right. not going to work right but what I do want to say is that Feeling the early childhood fear, it it's scary, but in it is actually manageable. It is like the thing that I have been running away from for my entire life, but now I have the tools of recovery and, and the support. And the support and an adult body. I have a lot of support. Right. I have, you know, Nicole and the, like a bajillion program people. Yeah, God Squad. And that you know, my therapist, ACA, like all that stuff, yeah. that is actually doable, and I'm not eating over it. Right, right, so, right. Yeah. And for example, on that note, let's say in the process of that, if you, if your food had started to get, you know, wonky or everything, that would have been like, okay, that would have been an indication that you were trying to blast through. Right. You know, it's like, 
No, if your food's getting wonky, you're not feeling the support you need to be able to do that. Now, mm-hmm. part of that could be that you're just not giving yourself permission to have the feelings, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's like, okay, let's back off, let's slow. But the point being is, is that your food is still a barometer, mm-hmm. you know, and so sort of paying attention to that as you're going through the fourth step. Right. So if you start to feel like you're about to relapse, like right. my job would be like, okay, so let's talk about that, what's happening? Because now you're back on step three. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, so let's take some time out here and let's figure out what's going on. And part of it could be that maybe you've pulled up a really big box. Yeah. No, that's a good thing to say. And I definitely have, in the process of this 18 months, um, gained some weight and absolutely as you can do and now absolutely I'm, you can do I'm that. pulling you know I'm, I'm now slowly going back down the scale um but yeah I could see that I was getting a little bit further from my OA program in that I was doing all this like therapy and ACA stuff and and I was thinking like oh I can just put OA on the back burner and I don't, you know, I don't have the luxury of doing that without yeah. seeing the consequences on my yeah. body. And I had to learn that too. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I When I moved up here, um, I was not pleased with the pro coming from so right. many meetings, yeah. whatever. And I was envious of AA mm-hmm. because of how strong it was. And I was like, and I was learning so much and my ACA and doing AA and everything. And I was like, okay, well... The food, I've got the food, so I'll just stop going. And that lasted about two years. Mm-hmm. And then I relapsed, mm-hmm. you know, the very first time I relapsed. Mm-hmm. And I was and I was pissed because I was like, I'm going to have to, you know, right. not only just do OA, but it's like, oh, the whole like working more than one program. It's like, right. yeah, I know how to work more. It's like, no, you're actually going to have to go to meetings. Right. right. And <laughs> you know? send your food. And send every your food. Fucking yeah. Day every to good, somebody yeah. Squad and everything, and so even though so Megan and I were also talking earlier around, you know, the causes and conditions. Yeah, it's like yeah, Yeah. that's the whole thing with the four step is is like the causes and conditions, and at the same time we still have an eating disorder. You know, it's it's and again meaning that when things when we've lost faith, Hmm. so when we slip out of step three, whatever that looks like, faith in the program, faith in our process, Mm -hmm. faith in whatever. The food becomes our solution. That's yeah. still going to happen. Yeah. You know, if I'm no long, if I'm in fear and I've completely lost faith in recovery and I've completely lost faith in whatever, my brain is going to go to food. Yeah. Or I would just say also not, not even just like not willing to do the process of recovery. recovery. Yeah. yeah. If I'm not willing to actually do the work. But in, the, the but the right. reason why you're not willing is, okay. is the fear. The fear. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. a great way of saying, like, right. I'm not willing anymore, right. but part of that is, is like, the wanting to right. get back control. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not, fuck this, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. You know, right. I don't like where this is going. And right. this is, again, not to get totally off topic, but... Because I want to keep it to like the celebration of you know mm-hmm. finishing your fifth step, which was Yay. also its whole process. Yes. So you want to talk about that? Took a while. Um, like yeah. any expectations that you had around? Because this is great because you've had three fifth steps. Yeah, I mean it did. T- it took a long time to turn it over. Um, and part and of that was my health issues, and I could only do one hour yeah. a week. 
Yeah. So I just mean, to be fair to Megan. Like, yeah, but I mean, I think all in all, it, what? How many hours? It took what? Ten hours, maybe, to turn it over. Seven hours. Like it took a uh, while. To, yeah. To me, for just to actually read it, all the things on <laughs> yeah to you. Yeah, Probably. I think it took longer than that. Probably. Yeah, yeah. I'd say like 20 hours. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bad estimator of yeah. things in my dyslexia. Yeah. So I <laughs> time. Um, but yeah, I mean the pro, I, I think it is like pitch for sponsorship and pitch up for having the <laughs> as your sponsor uh, to just, yeah, to hear, um, your reflection of yeah. my resentment. So to and, hear yourself say it out right, loud to right, another person. Right. Yeah. And there are things on that list that I had never told anybody else. Right. Yeah. So to say it out loud to another person and then to have a sponsor reflect back to you, right. you know, so here's what I'm hearing. Yes. And to get a sort of, I think, accurate, objective um, response to what my part in it was because either for either right in terms of I don't have a part you don't have right. a part or, or you do part. have a part right yeah or there's you have a part but you were powerless over this part, part which yeah. is actually the most probably common thing of like you have a part you're playing a part here but you were powerless over creating yeah that's dynamic. the ACOA piece yeah, yeah. you know is yeah. that you could not have done anything better Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, it's like, like no, we, you know, we leave home with this dysfunctional wiring. Yeah. And we yeah. are going to go, and another analogy that Megan and I have used is, you know, growing up learning how to dance, and we know how to tango. Right. And the reason why I always liked that analogy is because they actually called tango the um, a war dance between lovers, meaning like you're kicking each other and whatever, and it's very dramatic, and 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 then and so you grow up learning how to tango, and you 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 know, and even when you have a really good partner, you know, you you might accidentally kick each other, but if you don't, you're gonna just keep kicking each other and calling it dancing. Mm-hmm. Whereas waltz, you know, waltzing, it's. You know, to us, having grown up with tango, we think it looks boring. boring. (laughs) You know, we're just like, like, what are these people doing? I know. But again, but then it's like you you hit a bottom with, you're like, how many times are you going to be kicked? Yes. And suddenly you want to learn how to waltz. So one of the things is, is around the whole, like in Megan's situation specifically, it was around, you know, any sort of group situation. So whether it was roommates or job or whatever, that she'd be part of some sort of group where you know, a boss, a roommate or whatever would be doing something crazy in her part. It's like, yeah, you had a part to play. You were dancing the dance with them. Right. But you could not have done anything different. Right. And another way I like to phrase that that is helpful to me is I was incapable of seeing the red flags. Mm -hmm. I just could, I just could not see it. I was just, before recovery, I was just, you know, I picked alcoholic houses to live in with roommates and yeah. I just was like I'm sure it's fine it's right. great yeah you know or or really chaotic work situations because these are people who yeah. understand you yeah you know these yeah. are people who also come from, right. they're all everyone knows how to dance tango 
Yeah. It's like awesome. These are right. my people. They're playing tango music. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we have such great chemistry. Oh, right. I liked her instantly. Right. That's what I'm right. Oh, yeah, I was attracted to him right away. Yeah. And one thing that I've just learned in my uh, history of dating very unavailable alcoholic men is if I'm very attracted to someone, it probably means that they're very <laughs> unavailable. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being um, younger when I first was in, I was still in college. This was my early, like my first or second year in ACOA and, and realize, and thinking that it, I had such a, this is the thing that I love about laughing at ourselves when we're younger, mm-hmm. thinking I had this brilliant, profound thought that if there were a hundred people in the room and only one of them was alcoholic, that I would find that one alcoholic. Yep. Exactly. And just being like, and thinking like, I should write a book. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, but it's yeah. like, yeah. And yeah. now you have a podcast. And now I have a podcast. <laughs> and now I have a podcast. But yeah. Okay. Anything you want to share to people about doing a fourth and fifth um, I think, I get, yeah, just be, be patient with it. Be patient with it. And it is a process. And even as I'm saying that, I'm feeling some impatience (laughs) with it of like, you know what? It takes like, and also the thing with 12 step is like, you don't graduate. We just restart the steps over again. So it's like, where am I trying to go? What am I trying to do? And so, yeah, I mean, and and also, I mean. But you will never do a four step like you did this one. Yes. Yeah. And I I was going to say the being, and I think what you say about like, where do you want to be free? And, and I think, you know, I think the way that I had done four steps in the past was uh, often kind of shaming and like, where have I been shitty and where have I had bad behavior? And it's like certainly true that I have had bad behavior and people have been collateral damage in my dysfunction and all of that stuff. Like that is very true. But I think the way that we did the fourth step this time was also let's reveal where the million different ways in which I was powerless over the situations that I would choose, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to see more holistically, like, yeah, I've come, caused some harm to some people in this process, um, but also, like, I was part of a lot of dysfunctional systems. Right. Right. And to... This to, is where my phrase, no one gets out alive. Yeah. Like, I... There was no way that I could have done it any differently. Right. And to be able to see my whole life, really, in that frame. And also to see, like, just the amount of chaos that I was a part of. And that I was actually doing a fucking great job yeah. in the chaos like considering yeah. the amount of, of chaos and unmanageability that is And this is where life. again we sort of thank yeah. our disease. Yeah. Like thank yeah. God. Yeah, and that's the other thing I that had I, something to help me yes. survive that. Yeah, and I, I say this in my in my shares when I share in OA that I now see that my compulsive overeating was a life saving tool because mm-hmm. I was in fight, flight, freeze for my entire childhood. And there is no way in hell that I would have survived it if I didn't have it. And so, like, what a profound gift. And what a profound gift that recovery is. And that I don't have to do that as my adult self today. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. And then hopefully, again, just the incredible compassion this process has given towards yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that you were a survivor. 
Yeah. And that you could not have done any different. And this is, again, the healing, hopefully the healing of the shame. I mean, yeah, we did the shame inventory. But also just that, you know, just to be like that you can look at your past Mm -hmm. and you can look at your younger self Mm -hmm. seeing you know, the shit that you did mm-hmm. and not go into a shame spiral mm-hmm. over it and yeah. just have the context Yeah, for like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And given where you came from, you couldn't have done anything right. and just the compassion and then right. the gift that it's like, we don't have to live that way anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was, you know, that young, that young woman had no choice mm-hmm. because she didn't understand mm-hmm. that she was... Right. Even in a situation. Right. I couldn't even see the the cycles that I was mm-hmm. perpetuating. I was yeah. not aware of it. And Well, going back right. to the Winchester Mystery House, right. like, if that's the house that you grew up in and everyone right. has a house like that, you don't know right. anything different. Yeah. 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 That's where I think, you know, recovery is an incredible gift and a miracle. Yeah. In that sense. Is right. that, Wow. Yeah. You know, because a yeah. lot of people, as you and I know, right. we both have families that it's like, they're still living there. Right. Still, yeah. Still, still stepping the water back down <laughs> yeah. into the basement. Yeah. 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 yeah, totally. I mean, um, yeah, it's an incredible gift. And to, like, I, I mean, I can say, like, I'm in a chaotic work situation right now. But the, and I see that, and I see my powerlessness over it. And the difference this time is... I'm not trying to be the hero or fix the situation. I'm just yeah. like, well, okay. Yeah. Guess it's chaos. Yeah. Guess and I'll do my, my little paycheck? part. Yeah. Yeah. Here's yeah. my part. Yeah. Give me my money. Totally. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what would you say as a sort of parting thing Sure. to, let's say, a young person who maybe has just come into the rooms? Around. Well, oh, I want to say something yeah. before you say that, which okay. is, which I alluded to before, which is that, you know, this whole dumping your contacts and everything like this. This is, Megan, as long as she works with me, will never have to do, because mm-hmm. this is a whole historical, mm-hmm. you know, like let's look at your life from up till, you know, now. Yeah. And and you did a thorough searching moral inventory. Now, since I did mine in 2006, yes, I have done four steps since then, but mm-hmm. they've been situational. Mm-hmm. So I've been in a situation right. and... So yes, I've continued to do four steps, but never one like historical. Right. It's always been like, oh, I had to do a four step on my job. I had to do a four step on my roommate. I had to do a four step. So yes, I keep doing four steps, mm-hmm. but this is, you know, not this sort of, right. what do they call it? Magnus opus or whatever. Yeah. Magnum opus. Yeah. That too. Yeah. So, so anyway, so keeping that in mind, because again, I just wanted to add that since you said, oh, and you're going to keep doing the steps and everything. Yeah. Right. But you'll never do something right. like this Yeah. again, unless yeah. you want to, which would be crazy. <laughs> and even if you said it, I'd be like, right. Megan, why would you want to do that? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, a young person coming into the room. Uh, younger, I guess it which, doesn't mean not age younger, but let's right. say a newcomer. Newcomer. Uh, which room? Any room? Any other rooms? In a room that you have to do a four step. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just such a recovery is such a tremendous gift, and it's like today I have maybe a chance at making a, a different and healthier choice than I did in the past and seeing like 
that I had no choice in the past. Like I was just gonna make these these cho choices and gravitate towards dysfunctional, abusive situations over and over again. You were locked in. I was locked in, and the gift of recovery is that maybe today, maybe not guaranteed, but I can maybe make a slightly healthier choice. And I, and also that I have so many resources. I have so many resources. I am not alone in this journey. Well, all. even if you, so I'm, I'm struck by you saying maybe you can right. make a I think a better, not even a better, a different way of saying it is, is like, like using your job situation. Cause this right. is one where we talked about where right. you made the choice to stick, to do another contract with a situation where we knew that it was crazy and whatever. Right. So in that sense, you could say, oh, you made the same choice, but you didn't. Right. Because we right. first of all, we talked about it. You knew exactly what was going on. Right. You're in Al-Anon, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, so I may choose to maintain this relationship with this company where right. they, they're whatever, but how you behave right. is going to be completely different. Yeah. And so in that yeah. sense, right. it will be different. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, it, it's like that metaphor of the dance, right? Mm -hmm. That we can change the whole dance just by doing our part differently. Yes. Right? Um, yes. Yeah, and that the world will like the world's gonna continue to tango around us. Yeah, right. But or will tang. But if we do it slightly differently, then the whole dance is different. Different. And it yeah. And I what I mean is like I'm probably never gonna or it's gonna be a lot of recovery before I just like am on the waltz dance floor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that seems normal to me. Yeah. What I, right yeah. before we die. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Same and security yeah. attached. Yeah. yeah. Totally. It'll be a mix. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? In my experience getting older and my experience of witnessing people in the rooms is, is that we'll have more moments of waltzing and right. less moments of tangoing. Right. And it'll just start to, right. you know, and that's, I mean, because Julie, right. who's my sponsor, you know, and Sella, who's a sort of sponsor, you know, they've got like 30 plus years in right. Al-Anon and OA, or right. AA, Sella's AA Al-Anon and, and Julie's OA Al-Anon, um, is they waltz more often than they tango. Mm, that's yeah. a great, yeah. you know <laughs> Yeah, and I think in saying, what I meant by maybe I make a different choice is I don't, it's not like I've done this inventory and then all of a sudden I'm going to pick like functional, healthy work yeah, situations. No, like no. that's not what happens. It's like, I guess what I mean by the maybe is like, and I'm a, I'm more aware of, of the craziness and my part in it and that I have the opportunity that if, let's say, I didn't want to take this work contract and wait for something that was like slightly less crazy, I could make that choice. Whereas yeah. I was unconscious you didn't even know you had a choice yeah I didn't even yeah I didn't know I had a choice and I also didn't know how insane it was <laughs> that I was like constantly in these works I just thought that's how work situations were right I just thought that's what work yeah. was but I also chose a totally insane and yeah. like misogynistic industry to yeah. be in like yeah. you know which is true yeah 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 it's part of the world yeah. All right, so. Megan. Well, I'm very proud of you. Thank you. I love you very much. I love you very much, and I'm very proud of you, too. <laughs> Yay! All right. Thanks, yeah, everyone. Thanks. Bye.